You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, there we are. Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Charles Avison. We are diving into the 1935 year when Detroit was alive with victory. Yeah, this is an incredible season, man. This is the uh, granddaddy of them all. And the things that led up to it and the people and the players and the owners and the coaches and and, and just everything that, that, that made 1935 happen. In the last couple episodes, we've been talking about Potsy. Uh, and how he took uh, the Portsmouth Spartans uh, and, and turned them around and, and made it just this amazing machine down in Portsmouth, Ohio. Exactly. And then um, the the guy from WJR, what was that cast name again? Uh, George Richards. I work for those people. I should, All right. I should know this. Yeah. George Richards uh, owned JR, and he bought the Lions. Yes. And brought there was them a to whole the, syndicate. There was an ownership syndicate. I want to. I want to do an episode about. Um, yeah, George Richards. The, yeah, George Richards. Yeah, I, I want to bring in like our current general manager. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel beyond. I don't know. Yeah, I love do, like diving deeper into. It. And the other thing too or, is, is to Mary be honest Brenner, with you. The owner of the station. And the, to be honest with you, you know my 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 uh, you know my in depth you know my dive into George Richards really. I mean, there's not that much stuff out sure. there about him. And so, if anybody, if there is anybody at WJR that maybe has access to the archives, right, there might be some really, really cool stuff down there. If we really only cool. knew someone that worked there, yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying. I got a key That's card, why, brother. Yeah. Let's go. That's what I'm saying. Let's just let's do a broad, a podcast from the there's archives. There isn't crap, man. There isn't. There's, You'd be surprised. They might be have fit. They might have some it, kind of archive, like some kind of archival tapes. tapes it, you know, and like here's the thing: is after this, we're going to be talking about the city of champions yeah. party. But after the party, they had a whole interview with like all of the different champions there and everything. Like yeah. there might be some gold stuff down there that nobody has even looked at in years. Yeah, you know, I mean, some kind of. You I mean you'd just be surprised? Who all knows? Right. Especially well, when you're looking at it with a different pair of eyes. We'll dig around. Yeah. So, but I, I want to do that. I want to. I want to talk to. You them. can do I a wanna, shelf from there, man. We'll I just wanna, dig through there. Oh, just, yeah, yeah the, I dig through the archive. Totally, totally yeah. in. But Potsy. Uh, he was amazing because he had an, an amazing football career yeah, himself. He's awesome before and, us. And, and retired as a player at the end of World War One when he played with his his outfit and won that championship. American over. Expeditionary Force Championship. Yeah. yeah. And then moved into the coaching and yeah. uh, it created. And I, I, th- I find that interesting because again, I know nothing about nothing about sports. And you're like, you're yeah, getting the, there. The, the, you're the, the, the Portsmouth Spartans. Yeah. And it's like, oh crap. It's like Michigan State. I wonder if that is an homage to those Spartans. Uh, I that I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I, I'm not sure. How long is I, I don't want to Mi- say no, Michigan, but um, I'm curious if that's uh, if that ties in. I don't. If, it know. could. I, I don't want to say no. I mean, there's only so many team names, you know. I yeah. Mean, it's like, and the Spartans uh, are a legendary type of a warrior. You yeah. Know, name. You know, warrior. Name I wonder if exactly. that's connected, though. I, there might be. I don't know. If I, I don't only want we to knew s- someone who did research. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you're, but you're baseball right now. You're no, I'm. At, yeah, I am doing baseball with my other project. I'm. Uh, I barely like make it to the show on time because it's so like. <laughs> and then I like almost have to leave early because it's, you know, because it's so like all consuming. But um, yeah. But anyways. Uh, so but, but yeah. So I don't know. But um, that'd be like if you, I mean somebody listening to the show as a Michigan State fan. Maybe they have a little bit more in depth, you know. Even a Michigan State, like where did the Spartans thing come why from? Why did they? Yeah. Why is that name? I'm just curious if it if it's an homage to that, if it's tied to that at all. The the the, the legendary, the legend of the t- the Lions yeah. before they were the Lions. Yeah, the, I don't the, know the powerhouse that the Portsmouth Ohio was. Yeah, and the thing about the Spartans and the thing about the the early uh, history of the Lions is that they're they're the story of these two teams and how like you know how they came to Detroit and everything. Yeah. it is so fragmentary. There are, mm-hmm. there's a ton of different sources that talk about it, but yeah. you just get little scraps like of like of unique information. Like sure. most of them all, t- most every almost every, I mean, they all tell generally the same story because yeah. that's the story they have to tell. Yeah. But they each, but you'll see little nuggets of information that that are different from different sources, yeah. and that's kind of how what I was doing was cobbling it all together, was putting all the you know bringing stuff out of the Detroit Times and stuff like this. Detroit well, that's newspapers. what Detroit City of Champions is, these trilogy yeah. of books where you've, you've, you've parsed together yeah, these, combine it all. These, all these these things to make them make sense. Yeah, but that stuff I didn't find, and that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it, uh, that's a, you know, a question that maybe even a, a Michigan State Spartan, somebody that's really into the history, yeah. could, you know, maybe they, they we'll find that into out. it. Yeah. Was that something? I'd say something because I, I do some uh, work up at Michigan State yeah. with uh, the scholastic journalism. 
But yeah, you give one of, uh, you give so one I'm, of these diehard fans a challenge. You know, I got my undergrad yeah. at U of M oh, okay. in Dearborn, yeah. and then I have my journalism certifications through state. I got my master's from Wayne State in Detroit. So I, I don't know what sweatshirt to wear. I'm, I'm really yeah. I'm really confused. But, yeah. So I got friends on, on both ends. It's uh, you know the house divided for me. Sure. Uh, <laughs> You're divided amongst your own self. You gotta I wear am. like a quilted shirt with all the different am. pieces on it. It's a uh, well. It's just you know each one of those voices in my head gets their own sweatshirt to wear. Yeah, that's good. That's kinda... You can rock it whatever days you know suit suit you the best. <laughs> so what? So what more do we need to know about Potsy? Where do we leave off? Where are we going? Uh, well, we left off in the last show talking about the American football player. Yeah. And so I don't know if we want to, can we put that up on the screen just to show anybody that's viewing the viewing the show? I didn't, I didn't too much. This, the, the headshot of Dutch Clark with the side angle. Oh, yeah, that, that astounding photo. Yeah, that, that photo that's, that's like, like... It ended up in, in, in Life or Time? Time Magazine. Time Magazine, yeah, yeah just this. And it was like a candid photo. The one to the very bottom the guy, left there. The photo the guy snapped. Uh, bottom left. Bottom, yeah. With the head to the just side this, there. There yeah, you go. Yeah, that's the Martin one. Yep. fella. So that is, Ooh. so they, they're like... That photo is so cool. It's actually got like a name. Yeah. Like, that is called the American Football Players, and like that photo. I mean, that is the, as iconic of NFL as you get. You know, I'm 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 pretty heterosexual and everything, but uh, <laughs> that is a good looking. Yeah, fella, yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, I bet his wife thought so too. You know, it's, but uh, but anyways, yeah. So he so um. So yeah, so he uh, so that photo was seen out comes out in the uh, Detroit Detroit News. It was again William Consul, like just an absolutely some of the basically any iconic uh, any iconic Detroit sports history photo: Tigers, Lions, yeah. um, even you know even a couple Red Wings, but um, especially Tigers and Lions. But this is really the most iconic Lions photo. But the, some of the early really iconic the, the photo with Cobb sliding Ty Cobb sliding into third base that is uh, William Consul, that iconic image. And so uh, William Council did this photo. We read in last week's show, the very tail end, uh, the story of how he got that photo, of how he got this. And after he took the photo, yeah. and it got big, he put it in the Detroit News, and, and they requ the the readers requested, uh, you know, requested actual uh, full you know photos of it, like copies of it, instead yeah. of just a newspaper image. And so it was so popular in Detroit that it got into Time Life magazine. It was seen by everyone across the country. And then William Kunsel, they tried, even Dutch Clark even They're said like, Let's it. Let's do a photo shoot and get a really good one. Exactly. And then when they, he said, Dutch Clark even said in the last show we read the quote, how Dutch was even saying, they, they he must have shot 100 photos and yeah. none of them ever came out as good as that one. I love, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's that it's one first shot, that unpredictable shot. That's that why, nailed I, you know, and I tell yeah. my kids, it's like happy accidents. Because I, that's why I teach journalism and that's part of it, the, yeah. the yearbook and the newspaper. And it's, it's they have to go out and capture these moments. And, and the beautiful thing about today with digital is like, shoot, 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 shoot. Um, you're not going to, you know, you might fill up the card, but you're not really going to run out. Yeah. Um, and because and, you never know when you're going to hit that. You exactly. Hit that, you know, you know, you got to you got to be smart. You got to have your eyes open. You have to. Yeah. You got to work at it. But uh, yeah, there's the photo of like the Iwo Jima photo with the right. with the flag raising and that they took a bunch of photos from that, too. And that one that shot, time. the one shot, they made a whole movie about it. Yeah. The Flags of Our Fathers. Oh, my God. Amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they show how that photo, how major, you know, that photo, just that one photo, what it, the impact that it had. Well, because that was almost staged, though, right? No, according when they to took the legend, it, when they took according it, according to the legend, no, but the 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 because they put a flag up, and they were like, and then the one officer was like, "Oh, I want that flag, bring it down." They're like, "He's not getting this flag." Yeah, and so they put up a different one. Exactly. And the photo came when they were putting up the second. Exactly. Photo. And then so they took the shot, but it was like, yeah, it was like, but it wasn't necessarily like staged. Yeah. Like the guy just took the shot and it wasn't nailed the it. First time it happened. No, it was. It was a, that's what I'm saying. That the whole that's what's yeah. great about that movie is they sort of detail like what oh, happened with and that what flag. Happened to those guys. And, then, and, the, and all the guys, they were all talking. You know, there was they all had stories like we weren't. You know, the, the original guy. You know, did this and the other. Yeah. But, they're, but they're like, it doesn't really matter. Like, we're trying to, like, keep the morale going for the war, and you guys mm -hmm. are the flag raisers in this photo, you know? That's like, an amazing, that is an amazing, and that's that's why I love about, that's what, this pompous prick that I am, that's what I love about this show, that's what I love about your books. Yeah. And the stories that, that you tell. Um, I love that, I love the, these little nuggets of history and these little sideways things that, that, yeah. that people don't know, and as, as it unfolds, you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Seriously? No, this but that's what I'm saying. This photo is simple as it may seem. Yeah. You know, like a lot of times, you know, that photo's been seen before. It's yeah. not I wouldn't say it's the most well published photo today, but then again, it's not the least unpublished either. Every once in a while it pops up and you yeah. see that photo and you go, Oh, that's cool, man. That's a great shot. 
But what, you, but what a lot of people don't realize is just the impact that that photo had. I'm not saying it was in the caliber of the you know the the Iwo Jima flag raising sure. photo, but in its own way, it was in mm -hmm. its own way you know for what it did. Because what it did was it was seen by everybody in Detroit, first of all. Yeah. And again, the Lions had failed. The NFL had failed to establish a team in Detroit three times prior to this in much better economic circumstances in the 1920s. Yeah. And then so here's the Lions, Detroit, you know, the, the Tigers go crazy in 1934. They bring in the Sportsman Spartans, change the name to the Lions because they're trying to associate with the wildly popular Tigers. And so, you know, all of a sudden they issue this photo and it's just an, it's just an incredible photo. Yeah. And so everybody in Detroit's like asking for reprints and you know actual photos of it. So that alone generates interest in the team, and, it, and everybody's identifying with the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. All right, like all the other team names that were prior to this uh, are all basically forgotten about. Now it's the Lions, Dutch Clark, the Lions, the Ty Cobb of football. You know, like the, the name Lions is becoming you know synonymous with you know Detroit now has an NFL team as small as the NFL might be at this right. moment. That's their team, is the Lions. The branding is what is really what emerges out of this photo. And so not only in the photo is so cool and so well received in Detroit that it's now seen now that you know Time Life magazine picks it up and you know features it in their issue, which I I think it would think we talked about last, I think it was December twenty eighth, I got it written down, but it was December twenty eighth, nineteen thirty four. Yeah. Is that's the issue that it comes out in. And so it's being seen in the off seasons after the season's over. And so it becomes seen to a nation of Time Life magazine readers who are also whether you like the, the you know Detroit or the Lions or whatever you can't help but be you know sort of taken by that photo. Yeah, it's a cool photo. Yeah, yeah. And so you're but now you're seeing that like some people across the country are seeing this and they are also identifying the you know the NFL with Detroit with the Lions. That that it's the branding of that. You see, it, would be, it spread the awareness of the Lions' existence. To a nation of fans, to or a nation of potential fans, even if they weren't necessarily fans of the of the NFL, they from then on, you know, anytime they did, that was that association with either Lions, the photo, Tigers, or the Lions, Lions Tigers, exactly, Detroit, Lions, Tigers. So saying, that, so that, that one that groove is there. Yeah, so that's where so that's where we left off last week. We we're talking about that that yeah. photo, and and it's a really good place to start because it's the you know that that photo really was a transition because it was appeared in that time life in December of 1934. After this, the the Lions had. Uh, in essence, collapsed at the end of 1934. They finished. They started off the season seven straight shutouts. Didn't give up a single point. Ten straight wins. Just just romping through everybody. The one team that the first team that did score on them, they put you know it was the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Lions romped them 40 to seven because they were so mad that the team had scored their you know had scored on them and broke their streak. And so um, and so anyways, and the, so the, the reason why the team let, lost at the end, they they lost to the Packers uh, three to nothing. Um, a team that they beat three to nothing earlier in the season with uh, Glenn Prosnell's uh, lead, uh, record fifty-four yard field goal, um, and uh, and then and then they lost to the Bears twice in a row at yeah. the end of the season, and so the, and so to the fans of Detroit that were all you know all of a sudden thinking that they might get a consolation prize after losing the nineteen thirty-four World Series, they're like, oh, we're gonna be we, the Lions, we'll get an NFL championship, and no, they they folded at the end of the year, uh. and people are like, what happened? You know, all the Bears and Packers, who are these people? And that's what I'm saying. Now all of a sudden you're starting to under these fans that are um, becoming you know fans of this NFL team. That is the beginning of these rivalries. You know the rivalry had already existed with the Spartan players and with with Potsy Clark. So yeah, there was already uh, you know the rivalry was already take you with eleven guys. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That so was the, already game was so on. The, yeah, so the team and Potsy had already had this rivalry that extended back with the Packers and Bears. Um, I mean, those are their top two nemesis. That's good know, drama. So. That makes good. Yeah, and so now good. the fans are getting exposed to this yeah. to this uh, rivalry, and the thing about it is, is that rivalries are essential. Essential. I talk about it in the book. I have a whole section on it. Rivalries are often like you know just kind of going, oh, rivalry is good, okay. But a rivalry brings a additional interest, even in seasons where a team is not necessarily you know playing well. It's that rivalry game which you know really amps up the fans and keeps people coming back. You know, even if your team is not out of you know is out of the championship picture, mm -hmm. you still have that game that's like we don't care about our record; we care about beating this team today. You know, yeah. um, so that so that this is the beginning of those rivalries with those two teams. And as we're going to talk about today, that rivalry um, extends you know into '35, and it's and it leads to the one of the most incredible. I mean, I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff that I get excited about in this story, but this. The ending of the like the the 1935 season. We're not going to talk about exactly what happened in the 1935 championship game, right? You know, as our, per usual, because we're going to lead that to the, like a, a finale where we talk about all the championships in a row. 
Um, but this, the regular season, what happens to the Lions in 1935 and what they overcome is unbelievable. Uh, so it, I, I mean, it's see, an incredible And here's story. the thing, because you and I have talked a bunch about this, and you're a baseball guy, generally. I, mean, I you love, love them all, yeah. You, but, you love them all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, when we've talked, you know, it's been the elevator pitch. We haven't yeah. been, So I have no idea what you're talking no. about, how 1935 No is, one does. Is, that's what I mean. Like, the story of this, this from Seth, I'm so excited about doing this show and talking about this particular yeah, yeah. thing. There's so many fascinating stories, but this story here, I mean, this, I mean, they're all, it's tough to say, like, which one is my favorite. I actually say Gar Wood is my favorite, and that's not going to be talked about for a while, so we're going to leave, we'll hang and wait for, for down the road a little bit, but... Um, but this story's, I mean, it's, when by the time I'm done telling the story, like, tell me, anybody that's watching this, tell me this is not one of the best NFL football stories you've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, to call me, you know, tell me I'm wrong. You know, so, um, so, any, so anyway, so we begin with this idea that the Lions uh, had had folded at the end of the season to uh, to the Bears and the, the Packers at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And Potsy Clark realizes that the reason why that they had lost is that he had been over-utilizing his number one stars, okay? Oh. Dutch Clark, Glenn Presnell, Frank Christensen. Frank Christensen was one of their best. Um, he was like their he was their best punter, uh, but he was all, I mean, punting was a huge element of the game. It was field position back then. Total a lot of field position game. Okay. But a lot of their starters had been just mangled, and they were mm. by the end of the year they were playing, and they were like they should not have been on the field. They uh. were walking wounded. They, I mean, beyond walking wounded, they were walking mangled. No concussion were, protocols. No, they were. What do you know what that those, is? Those leather yeah. helmets. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Can concussion you protocol. I don't even know what that is back then. <laughs> so, anyways, and so he realized that his his number one stars had been badly overused. Okay. And so he needed to now fill. Um, he needed to, you know, to bolster that starting uh, starting his starting group with some uh, with some new blood. Mm-hmm. With some new stars, and so so this team. Keep in mind, we've already talked about this. This team had won ten. Uh, had won ten straight games, shut out seven straight. Shut out seven straight teams. So this is a pretty good team, right? right? This is a pretty good team. Thirty-one stuff. You look at the NFL record books for, especially for defense, and you're going to go through the list and see a ton of records that are just sprinkled in there. Nineteen thirty-four Lions. Nineteen thirty-four Lions. Peppered all the way through the list. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this is a pretty good team to sit there and go, "Oh, I got to." Makes major changes for this team. That's a pretty gutsy move. And so, but he does. He knows he needs to. He needs to bring in a stronger reserve depth that he can rely on the on these reserve guys more. So basically, he can protect his his stars, meaning Dutch Clark, Glenn Presnell, and these guys. He can save them and keep them in as best shape as possible mm-hmm. till the end of the season, and then unleash them, you know, in prime shape. That is his plan going into 1935, right. and to facilitate that. Go ahead. So I have that image um, that you you sent me with the map. There you go. Yeah, that's a great way have, to bring it in. Perfect I have time. that, and then the video that you uh, sent me. Um, I have that, but uh, it's a little. Why long. don't we save the video posse for the end, and we'll kind of give it like a little homage to okay, posse. Like the five, video. It's like five minutes. It's a little over five minutes. Well, long. just the first thirty seconds is okay. good enough. I just wanted to I show just, what posse looks like in that leather jacket. Okay, it's just a great, I just I didn't know yeah. what you needed out of that. But no, I was, just I was able to. I, that's why I've been trying to pull that up and, and so, get that extracted. Well, we're good for a quick second. Let me explain so, that. Introduce yeah. the um because we'll bring up the timeline in a so, second. Yeah, that's the image. Right. That's the timeline you got there. So, anyways, so the idea is, is that is the what Potsy does is, is he this is his brainchild mm-hmm. is he has what's in on September six he has what's called the the varsity versus freshman game. Oh, okay. So over forty eight college stars are invited to um, to play against the Lions veterans. Oh. Okay. Yes, and they, back okay. then they all played it. They played at Cranbrook University. That was what their practice field was. Right, Cranbrook right. was where they practiced and lived and stayed. And, and because and well, and it was uh, its college was a little more popular than, than massively than more popular. The NFL, yes, uh, at the time. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So, and so this, there was a ton of stars that came out of there, um, and and uh, and so the the varsity, meaning the Lions pounded on the freshman. I don't have the score right here. I know I have it somewhere. I was looking for it before the show. But they, they beat him pretty good. I think it was like 35 to 8 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they beat him pretty good. And um, But anyways, out of this varsity versus freshman game, eight players are chosen to become Detroit Lions oh. on the 27-man roster. Did they know that was part of the deal? Or was yeah, it like, absolutely. It was kind of a scouting oh, thing? Oh, yeah. They wouldn't bring these guys in unless they were trying to bring, you know, trying, trying to, to identify them. players. Yeah, That's interesting because they didn't have the combine no. back then. But what better way to have a combine? Like, think about how valuable that would be today. This is probably like one of the first combines. Yeah, it, it is. But it's a, but it's better <laughs> yeah. than any combine that you that's, that's, that They're goes really on played. today. Oh, yeah. They're You're jumping up in how high you can Yeah, but I'm saying, imagine if today if a team was allowed 
to, to bring in college players. How do you 100-yard dash if somebody's on your heels? <laughs> exactly. How do you, really you actually to get to see you. how they perform against NFL players? Yeah. Like, what a better way to do a yeah, combine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a brilliant thing. And that's yeah. Potsy. Or, you know, the lead off of the episode, you know, the lead of the episode is, you know, the forgotten genius of Potsy Clark. Yeah. And this is him. This is from, as far as I've seen, I've not seen any other coach that did something like this. And, the, and the, going back to 31... When he had the balls and to just... And overturned 19 new guys just, on that team. Just cut the number on the team yeah. and, and kept like eight or nine guys. Mm-hmm. And it just astounding. Kept eight or nine, yeah. yeah. He, he he got rid of 19 guys and brought yeah. in... Nine, like I think it was 19 new guys on that team. Can yeah. you imagine an NFL team today? Yeah. Never happened. Eliminating yeah. three quarters of their roster. Would never happen. Yeah. Exactly. It, two it's, two, of their roster. it's too radical. They'd be yeah. like, yeah, that's crazy. Why would oh. you get rid of either? It's too, so, yeah, so, so he, 1931, he recognized the need for a massive overhaul of this team, of that team. And then going into 1930, you know, at the end of 1934, he recognizes a team that, that's what I'm trying to keep in mind, a team that won 10 straight games yeah. and seven straight shutouts yeah. needs to be overhauled with eight right. new guys yeah. on a 27 man roster. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, well, that only got him to second huge. place. Exactly. He's like, we're trying to win it all, yeah. right? Like, that's not good enough. We need to overhaul yeah. this team, and he does. But one of, and what's important to understand about this in, in particular, and one of, that's one of the things we're going to talk about. I almost want to do an episode of this freshman varsity game. I just wish I had the score here. i got to dig it a little deeper. but Because um, I at least want to talk about that. Because the guys coming out of this are essential, and we will talk about them in more detail later. Um, uh, but one of the essential components to understand, and we've talked about his name before, Father Lumpkin. Okay. okay. Father Lumpkin, it, it's we may have not gone too deeply into it. We've, we've talked about how Father Lumpkin was a fan favorite. Okay, He was goes all the way back. He was the guy that Potsy threw off his team on the very first day of practice in 1931. Mm-hmm. He was a team captain. He was a fan favorite. He's one of the number one players in the team. He was a blocking back, a tough linebacker type. Um, you know, played on defense. He was that tough tackling guy that went up to, you know, faced off against the Bronco Nagurskis of the other side. Um, he was a great player. Father Lumpkin was an uh, was an excellent player. And anyways, Father Lumpkin is cut from the Detroit Lions. Oh, they cut him. Potsy cuts Father Lumpkin to make room for one of these for one of these eight rookies. Okay, this is like the effect that this has, you know, wow. on this team that you've got. You've just lost. You know, the, this team leader, team captain. Uh, he was a he was a full so he was a fullback. He, uh, yeah. he was a running back, but he also on defense he would switch around and play middle linebacker, play linebacker. So he was a tough like tackler runner. He primarily served on offense as a blocker, and he was an excellent excellent blocker. I mean, he's like lit, regarded as one of if not the best blocking back in the league. Um, and, and so anyway, so the law so Father Lumpkin is cut, and I wrote it into the screenplay. This is one of the the main arcs of the of the nineteen thirty five Lions season in the screenplay. Is you know the the way that I establish the character in the in the screenplay is I build Father Lumpkin up so big in nineteen thirty four section of the of the of the story, um, and then when you cut him like as a pa- fan watching the movie, yeah, you're like the, the way I tried to set it up was like you know a, you know you like one of your favorite characters has just been like killed off because he's just been written out of the story you know he's been cut you know yeah. that's how I wrote it in the movie because that's really what what this was what this is all about is Lumpkin gets cut so anyways. So now this team is revamped. They got these new rookies. They're heading into the season. Unfortunately, the rookies did not click with the veterans. Mm. The Potsy's plan did not go, you know, did not go according to plan. It did not work out the way that he wanted. This is, you know, go ahead. So this game wasn't part of the regular season. It's not mentioned anywhere. You'll never see anything I'm, I'm about looking, it. Good I'm luck. Looking. Keep digging. Keep digging. <laughs> I'm thinking I'll pull, it up. I'll pull it up. Only for in him. this book, bro. Yeah, okay. Only in this book. And I've got all the articles here to back it up. All right. But, but other, like Good I say. God. I'm giving up. I'm yeah, not. I'll show you photos if you yeah. want. No, you know no. I, mean? I got and, and, yeah, all this stuff. Find this stuff say, I want to do a whole show on it because it's a fascinating, you know, the whole concept. All right. Especially since it takes place at Cranbrook. And anybody, you know, all these people that, um, you know, that people from Detroit know Cranbrook is such a cool setting oh yeah you know and it, like this is a you know they have dormitories to college small as art college you know so it's cool if you think that the lions and they have actually have team photos i have a photo in the book here where they have, where they're posing in front of you know cranbrook the, uh-huh. the, the the buildings so anyways so the go so that so it did not um it did not go according to plan at least initially okay yeah. 
And so, so I'm just kind of, that's why we, we have that um, the timeline up there because that's pretty much what I'm going to read off for right now. So if you don't, if you're not, if you're at home and you can't see it, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, don't worry about it because I'm just going to yeah, read it off. Yeah, you can find it when, if on uh, Facebook, uh, yeah. and YouTube. Because what's important to understand about this timeline, this is why I wanted to put it on the screen for those of you that can see it and those of you that can't, we're going to read it straight off. And then what's important to understand is, is that the all the events of the 19th, the lions represent the fulcrum the pivot of the entire 1935 City of Champions season. Everything, even though they're the least talked about, they're the least covered, right. everything about their season revolves around everything that is going around in the City of Champions. Without the Lions, there would have been no City of Champions season. Because, mm. they're, because again, they were the ones that sort of, the Tigers wins the world, win the world. Joe Lewis does his thing. The Tigers win the World Series. And it's like they pass the baton to the Lions, right. who who grasp the baton and they have it for you know the baton of victory, the flame, the victory flame, and they have it in their hand for but a second before they hand it to the Red Wings. Yeah. You see, and they and because the the Red Wings, you know, was as they were passing it is when all of a sudden everybody, the the, the reporters in Detroit are saying, "My God, we could win them all this year." And mm -hmm. it was the Lions' moment had already passed. You yeah. see, and it was then then it was the Red Wings' chance to get all the attention because they were the final leg of that you know sprint, you know, winning yeah. that championships. So that's what I'm saying. But without them, we there would have been no uh, build up to so, the Red Wings. So, the, so this game. So everything revolves these around eight it. Players. Well, yeah, that's what starts it, and that's like yeah. I say, September eighth, nineteen thirty four. That happens. So going into and I'll, and I'll explain. Is anybody that can see that the, the uh, timeline on the screen can see it for themselves? But I'll go through it for like I say, especially for those that are listening uh, to the show. So September twentieth is yeah. the first game of the Lions season, and they win their first game, uh, thirty five to nothing. They beat the Eagles. Okay, so that's September twentieth. September 21st, the Detroit Tigers clinched the 1935 pennant. Okay, so so they so straight straight off there. So right after the right after this, they they clinched the pennant. All right, so September 24th, um, Joe Lewis defeats Max Bayer. Okay, and we haven't got to Joe Lewis yet. Right. We haven't got to Joe Lewis yet. Um, we haven't got to Joe Lewis yet. <clears throat> but um, this, when we do get to Joe Lewis. The defeat of Max Bayer is is the signature moment of Joe Lewis's entire season. Right. All right. This is the this is a major event. This is such a major event that Mickey Cochran actually takes a game off. I mean, if the Tigers had just clinched the pennant, as we see here, the September twenty first, Mickey Cochran actually plays hooky from a baseball game and sneaks off to New York to watch this Max Bayer fight. Wow. That's how big that fight was. Wow. That Mickey had left the team. <laughs> Die hard. The manager coach. Who would crawl through catcher. glass to win a game? <laughs> sneaks off from from a game against Cleveland. He called in sick. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Mickey of all people yeah. would never miss a could crawl through glass. Let a, let a, a player score at home plate, yeah. and he's skipping a game to go watch. So that's what I'm saying. So you have so that's you know these are the events that are swirling around. It's sure. Joe Lewis's biggest moment in 1935. So happens. that's just flooding the papers. Yeah. So we're, who cares? You know that's a great hey. win, but the Lions are back news, right? Yeah. And so and that's so game two. The Lions uh, tie the Chicago Cardinals 10-10. Again, okay, great. So that's game two. So game three, um, the Lions are beaten by the Brooklyn Dodgers, mm. okay, 12-10. And why, and why is that significant? Because guess what team Father Lumpkin signed with? The Brooklyn Dodgers. Father Lumpkin goes to the Dodgers and they in their first loss of the season, 1935. Keep in mind, the year before they hadn't lost, they lost a game to the 11th game of the season. Right, they were right, dominant. Right, right. In their third game, game Lumpkin is on that to team. The guy they cut is one. Of, I mean, I, yeah, he's yeah, he's one. Of, you know, he helps this team, this new team, beat the Lions. Okay, yeah. and so the day after their first loss, October 7th, Tigers win their first World Series championship. Okay, the city is going nuts yeah. for the Tigers, right? The Lions, hey, we're still in it, guys. Yeah, yeah. Who, who cares? Ah. It is World Series. Well, yeah, we're, cutting, we're cutting up the ticker yeah. tape for a parade. Yeah, it's, oh, they're in the middle of it. Yeah. They're rigging up machine guns in the bell towers in Detroit <laughs> to get, add extra noise to the sound. Literally, I mean, literally putting machine guns up in the <laughs> bell towers of, of downtown Detroit <laughs> to add noise to the to the festivities. <laughs> and, the, the, you know, the Lions are one win, one loss, and one Tie. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody cares about that. Yeah, no. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So so uh, shortly thereafter, so game four, the Lions beat the Boston Redskins. Okay, All great. Right. So the two one and one. Game five, Lions are beaten by the Packers 13-9. There you go. So the so you see what I'm saying? So this the is Packers. so you can see this new blood that's brought into this team yeah. is not gelling with this dude. I mean you can just sure. tell because I mean this is a totally different team. They're getting beat. They're tying, they're getting beat. So 
So anyway, so now we go into game six. The Lions get a win, 14-0 over the Boston Redskins. All right, so uh, game seven, November 4th, uh, Lions defeat the Chicago Cardinals 7-6. little squeaker. They do get they get the victory, okay? And then so, uh, and so then um, this is where, it, now this is where it really starts to get, this is where my favorite part of the story really starts to emerge, okay? So game eight, November 11th, the Lions are beaten by the Green Bay Packers 31-7. to Okay, this is the Oof. worst loss in the history of this team. As we, for the fifth time or tenth time already, I want to point out that the 1934 Lions are not losing a game 31 to seven. No. Okay. They're they're if they lost, they were losing three nothing. They're losing 16 to nine maybe, but they're not going to get beat by the Packers 31 to seven. Okay. So this is the worst loss in this team's in you know in this team's history. It uh, sounds you know, like this, this team point. is going nowhere. Exactly. That's the problem. And because so, they were they were like they were beautiful the year before. They were and miraculous. Took second place. Yeah. Well, exactly. They had to win. They won ten straight games and fit, and that didn't give up a point for the first seven and finished in second place. Yeah. So they had to be elite. So they're floundering here in 1935. Horribly. Floundering so badly that at the end of game eight, after November 11th, the Lions are in last place. Oh. Okay, their record is four, three, and one. Yeah, they have a, they're in last place, and so facing the last, so they they only have three. I'm sorry, four regular season games remaining. Okay, and so, and they're in last place. Now I want to tell you who the teams that they have to face. Okay. <sighs> The Packers, God. who they just got beat thirty-one to seven, and they got beat earlier in the season thirteen to nine. So they've already lost twice against the Packers. The most recent victory was a blowout. So they got to face the Packers in the very next game. Ugh. Okay, then they got to face the Bears twice. Oh, okay. And so, so the uh, Bears. And so the Bears, as we, we've talked about on the last show, they had not beaten the Bears since nineteen thirty-one. This franchise, these the Spartans or anybody, had yeah. not beaten the Bears. They lost them in the thirty-two championship game. They lost to them in the, you know the, the Bears beat them in the first Thanksgiving game in nineteen thirty-four. The Bears eliminated you know beat them twice in nineteen thirty-four to knock them off, right? And so they got to face the Bears twice, once in the Thanksgiving game, yeah. right, in the thirty-five Thanksgiving game, and the final cherry on the on the on the. Tough to swallow cake as their final schedule, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Ugh. They got to face the Dodgers with Father Lumpkin, who have already Again. beaten them in the beginning yeah. of the season. Okay, Jeez. now, now the, 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 as with their record, a four-three and one record, they they're at the point where um, they a, a loss in any of these games, yeah, and their season's over. Oh yeah, okay. And so we've already described here. We've got the rise of Joe Lewis. We've got the Tigers winning their first World Series. If the Lions finish off this season. Without a championship, or without, or with just a mediocre finish, or anything like this, they're—I mean—they're the, the, the entire future of the franchise could be over. It could be irrelevant. You see, I'm saying there's nothing worse than a team if you're irrelevant and nobody cares about you. Yeah, you're done. In yeah. the and the NFL had failed three times to establish a team in the city prior to this, and that's what I'm trying to say. That's why. That's why this moment, this moment is such an incredibly pivotal time in the history of Detroit Lions. Is if they would have just rolled over and been done with it and been like, yeah, we're done. You know, yeah. we're last place. You yeah. know, we're not. We're never going to beat the Packers. Ever blew us out. The Bears like, and Lumpkin, who's yeah, like yeah. having a you know <laughs> satisfactory, you know, like you know, bloodlust yeah. against our team for us cutting them. Yeah. So you know, like uh, you know, if uh, we're, we're pretty much done. You know, I mean, like they're, they talk about today, like the same old lines. You know, oh. this wasn't the same old lines. Right. Okay. This right. was not it because the very next game. The very next game against the Packers, yeah. they come out and beat the Packers twenty to ten. Okay, all so right. Now we're got us. Now we're moving, right? They got it. We just picked up a win in our very next game, right? So that's so that's uh, November seventeenth, November twenty fourth, game ten, Lions versus Bears. Okay, a tie. So they don't beat them, yeah. but a tie counts for no, no points for yeah. or against. No, so they know, or no, they know yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I want to read you a, a it quote. Factors, it factors in differently today. Yeah, I don't even think. Yeah, they can tie, but I think it counts as like half or something. I forgot yeah. exactly how it was. But I want to read you just the first paragraph. This is coming from the first book. The in the appendix of the first book, I put a, a game summary for every Lions game um, from 1935. And so I want to just read you just at least the introductory paragraph because it, it these writers at this time were so sensational. This I, I just yeah. This is Bud Shaver. Um, just the, the language and the style. Yeah, yeah. It's just so different. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so the introduction, so this is um this is totally worth it. Anybody this is a really long, really long uh, game description. Yeah. I just want to read the opening paragraph. So if anybody has the first book or wants to get like if you ever want to read this th this article, you know, this is in the appendix, so it's not we part call of the main this reading stuff. along with Chuck. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> 
But they, um, so if you ever want to, if you, you know, the appendix has got some real gems of information, even though it's not part of the main body of the work. So, um, so anyway, so here, so this is after that, that, that tie game, um, with, with the bears on, um, on, what does it say? So this, this article came out on November 25th, 1935, and it's written by Bud Shaver of the Detroit Times, who is one of my favorite writers of all time. Right. Okay. So anyways, um, so it says, uh, Detroit Lions today are nursing honorable wound stripes that come from the turmoil of bitter conflict. Potsy Clark's steel-bodied and stout-hearted men battled the rugged Chicago Bears to a 20-20 tie in a free-scoring battle that gagged, stuttered, and bewildered a crowd of 14,624 at Wrigley Field yesterday afternoon. It was a game in which, uh, which spectacular passes, long runs, and discouraging penalties at critical moments were interwoven into a brutal, slashing fabric of football that often found fights raging both on and off the field at one and, at one and the same time. And so uh, here, here it is right here. So this is the final bit. Mm. So um, never in the history of pro football has a more harsh or pulverizing battle been played. Men collided as if shot from springs of steel. Several from both teams were carried off the battlefield, and most of them later returned to the sanguinary struggle to help sway the fast-changing gridiron drama that the football fates decided should end in a deadlock. Uh, <laughs> that is amazing. Be like, you know what I mean? It's, language, that's awesome. Man. That's like what I mean. Could you imagine a reporter writing articles like that today? No, God, it's just that, that's like the, drama, man. That's the, yeah, and that's the that's the problem. It's it's that rich language. Yeah, and not afraid to use like no bold, bold words that the fates bold. decided should end in a yeah. deadlock. You know? you know, like never before as a gridiron uh, drama. Like that's what I'm saying. Uh, and when you're reading. It, I mean, is that edit, is that editorializing? You no, know, when you read, I'm trying but, to say it, that article. That's why I said it. anybody that has the book that wants to read about this, it's really worth it because when you're reading the article, you're seeing this. I mean, they're like, this, you know, it just goes back and forth, fights, scraps. I mean, he's yeah. not lying. Oh yeah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine with an intro build like that? Right. Okay. You go and you read the rest of the article, like I'm going. Yeah, to the you game. know, it was all right. You I'm know? going to the game. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, though, can you imagine if you read the article, you're trying to catch up on it, and then the description of the article, the remaining of the game, they're like, yeah, you know, there's, there wasn't really much going on. You know, like, it was just kind of like a, a really tame, you know, they, this huge buildup, yeah. and then otherwise, you know, it's just kind of a lame description or whatever. No, man, when you, the more you read that story, by the time you're reading it, you're thinking that, like, literally some kind of clash of the titans has just <laughs> taken place, <laughs> and you were not there to watch it. Right. You know what I mean? It just makes you want to go, like, my God, that was incredible. And, and for me, the reader, the writer, you know, putting this stuff together later on, the 80 years later, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, you know, this is so incredible. And that's what I'm saying. And, and really the reason I wanted to focus on that is because I've read, you know, there's a ton of different articles about the games, and they're not all hyped like that, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to say, and that's really what I'm trying to get at with by focusing on this game, this particular game, is that they were the write-ups of these games were not all like that, okay? There was a reason why. And when you read the article in this book to, that talks about that, particular game you realize and think about think about what's going on at this moment okay the light lions are fighting for maybe their survival of the franchise yeah okay they've lost they, they're up at their last place going in against the packers they beat the packers and now here they are they got two games against the bears who they not beat since 1931 this is a rivalry has developed for this long is it really that un you know is it really that um impossible or implausible that this game is going to be like the culmination of just like a warfare uh, between this Lions team and the Bears. They cannot lose this game. So This and, is essential. So this what happened. Are, what, what, are the, what do the Bears want? The Bears want to win too. The Bears aren't trying to have the Lions or the, this Portsmouth team that they beat you yeah, know, over and over and over again. Well, these Ohio boys doing in Detroit. Well, exactly. But the, and also here? the rivalry as we described. That's yeah. why we spent a lot of time introducing the rivalry with Potsy and like you know, this is George Hallis. We read a quote where he flipped Potsy off during the 1933 championship <laughs> game. And he tripped Ace, uh, Ace Katowski running down the field on the, so during none the of that, game. none of that stuff. These guys new. hate each other. Yeah. The coaches hate each other. The players hate each other. These guys, I mean, this is a rivalry. They, the, the, the Bears were, you know, partly responsible, at least, at least as much as the Packers the previous year, for ending the Lions... You know, in, incredible 1934 season. So what happens with the Bears so, next? Yeah. So anyway, so they so so they tie the Bears oh. 20 to 20, as we said for this game, yeah, yeah. right? And so that sets up the you know the game Thanksgiving. 11 Thanksgiving 1935. So this, the, so this is the second Thanksgiving game. Ever. Yes, and the Bears had beat him in the last one in 1934. Oh. And this one, the Lions get their their revenge and oh. they beat the Bears 14 to two. Finally. 
Yes, and they and here's what's great is that they um, and so by beating the Bears, they 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 number one they eliminated the Bears from getting to the championship. Oh. Yes, and so they returned the favor from the previous Thanksgiving right. because the Bears eliminated them on that Thanksgiving game, right, right. and it created a mathematical chance. For the Lions to get to the 1935 NFL Championship. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes, I'm saying there's a chance. But in order for that Kerry chance, to be, need, so, so you're saying so this is what they needed to have happen. There's a few. I think there was another one or two circumstances, but I'm going to kind of introduce what did happen to, to shave off like four other possibilities. So Lions had to win their next game against the, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay, mm-hmm. and the Bears had to beat the Chicago Cardinals. That was like really the that's and that's you know and we're going to see here. Um, those are like the this is like the scenario that happened. And so it's a good chance of the Bears beating the Cardinals because the Bears are the Bears. But anyways, but the next game is the game that the Lions have to win. It gets the Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay, mm-hmm. it's against the Brooklyn Dodgers again. We've already introduced Lumpkin is on this team. Lumpkin is you know has this now bloodlust for his former team of one of the best players in the NFL. And the, one of the reasons why that Lumpkin was cut was that. Um, was that supposedly like he was a great offensive player, he was a great defensive player, but he had one sort of major hole in his game, and that was his ability for uh, pass coverage. He, like he would, he would give up long uh, passing touchdowns every once in a while. And so, um, and so that was like really one of the weaknesses in his game. And so in an era that the pass is becoming more and more and more prevalent, in fact, one of the guys that the Lions uh, picked up in that uh, one of the eight rookies was a guy named Pug Vaughn who played for the University of Tennessee, who was like a legendary passer at the University of Tennessee. Okay. And so that's where, like, you know, even the Lions are starting to become a passing-oriented team to a certain extent. So the passing game is starting to, to become huge, and they have one of, the, one of their liabilities, you know, that again, that's why, you know, for that radical change to get rid of Father Lumpkin was because of his inability, you know, his, you know that hole in his game. So I want to read to you uh, yeah. the, to the quote from the um, from from what happened from that Brooklyn Dodgers game. <clears throat> Again, that's in, this is in the, this book here, page three fifty seven. So like like I say, this is the fi- this is the game they got to win. If they don't win this game, it's over. You know, what I mean, they've, they've come so far already, beating the Packers, tying the Bears, beating the Bears, and then now this final game against the team that they've already lost against with, with their old. You know, f- friend on there. So, okay, right here. Yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead. You got it? Go ahead. Okay. So, Detroit Lions have, have proved their championship caliber. Apparently, hopelessly out of the national professional football race a little more than two weeks ago, Patsy Clark's fine football team has closed with a rush, with which entitles it not only to a shot at the title, but the admiration of all Detroit. The Lions exhibit much of the same savage, indomitable spirit which moved the Detroit Tigers for the past two seasons. The boys in silver and blue have the old will to win, and there is nothing more thrilling and satisfying in sport than that spirit in action. In their last two engagements at University of Detroit Stadium, the Lions easily have been the class of the pro league. There was nothing fluky about either of their victories. No football team we have seen has the versatility and competence that the Lions showed in their last two games. Detroit's 28-0 victory over the Brooklyn Dodgers yesterday was especially impressive. It was played in bitter cold on a frozen, rutted field. A tricky crosswind swept the field, blowing out of the northeast. The Lions were especially effective on attack with their off-tackle play. It is the basis of Potsy Clark's well-thought-out offense. There is nothing fancy about it on paper, but the manner in which the Lions perform it makes it a gridiron masterpiece. They simply drive a wedge between the defensive guard and tackle, splitting a path for the ball carrier. Usually the tackle and one of the backs turn the defensive guard in, the right and another... The right end and another blocking back turns the defensive tackle out. The fullback keeps the defensive end off the ball carrier. The other members of the offensive line go down to block out the secondary. It is one of the simplest plays in the book, but few football teams ex- execute it with the precision and skill of the Lions. If one man fails in his assignment, the play is a flop. Yet the Lions gain on it time after time against some of the smartest and ablest football players in the country. That is how well they do their job. Not only must the play be, be perfectly timed, but the, the backs finding the hole at just the right moment but the line must function as a unit with the same fine, tu- fine, same fine timing. The beauty of the Lions' performance is that they play it with variations, as a violin artist might add to the beauty of a musical score with his own improvisations. As we said before, that off-tackle play is the backbone of the Lions' offense. Off it sprout the collection of spinners, reverses, and sweeps and passes, which makes the Lions one of the finest offensive teams football has ever seen. It is an offense not built around one man, as much of the Chicago Bears' offense is built around Bronco Nagurski, or the Bears, or the Green Bay Packers' attack is built around the passing combination of Herber and Hudson. It is an operation of 11 men. 
That's why the Lions' attack is perhaps the soundest in football today. It operated yesterday just as well with Presnell and Gutowski in the backfield as it did with Dutch Clark and Bill Shepard in their places. It didn't make any difference who, the, who was in the line either. That is the ideal offense and almost the ideal football team. The Lions have something else in their offense which few teams have. So well do the members of the line coordinate that they gain as easily inside the 10-yard line as in midfield. Few teams do that. The Lions accomplish it by unusual smartness on the, in the line. The Lion linemen introduce variations so that they seldom can be said to repeat a play. Basically, it is the same play, but varied to take advantage of changes in the defense. That requires smart coaching and smart playing. The Lions did very little passing yesterday, but one pass scored a touchdown from the Lions' side of the 50-yard line. It was a typical Posse Clark pass, one which started like a run and continued as a run until the defense was forced to commit itself, then the pass developed. Presnell was out on the left flank, right where Dutch Clark was, was to take a lateral pass and score a touchdown against the Chicago Bears last week. Gutowski started running to his right, faking a lateral to Presnell. Presnell waited until the Dodgers came streaming in to break up the play. Then he ran straight down the field, right past her old friend, Father Lumpkin. Gutowski threw a pass which carried all 45 yards through the air. Presnell caught it on the dead run about the, on about the 20-yard line, a full stride ahead of Lumpkin, and raced to the rest of the way for a touchdown. Poor old Papa Lumpkins hasn't improved in pass defense since he left the Lions, and this time he gave the Lions a touchdown instead of the Lions' opponents. Man. Yeah, so it's a nice little description of that game. I, I, you know, it was just... <laughs> you got a little thing out there. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. right, so then. now there's more than a chance. Now there's more than a chance um, that the uh, the Detroit Lions have just done their bit and now they, they, they listen. There's a, a great quote where they're, they basically listen on the radio um, for the Chicago Bears results to come in. And in fact, the Chicago Bears beat um, the Chicago Bears beat the Chicago Cardinals. Huh? And now the Lions are headed to the NFL championship game. How big a difference! Just a matter of four weeks. Yeah. Just four weeks. Yeah. The Lions are in last place, facing the hardest part of the schedule that perhaps they've ever faced. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, literally, what else can you add to that list? <laughs> what, what else can you add to that plate that would make in, in it more difficult? Injury? No, there's exactly. nothing. There's Packers would just blown them out. Bears twice in a row on Thanksgiving. Um, and, and then their old friend, Father Lumpkin, on a Brooklyn team that had already beaten them once in the season. Yeah. And, that's, and it's at this moment that these eight rookies gel with these veterans. It's yeah. at this moment where they finally come together and they become the machine, yeah. and it, and that's and that is really at that moment that the genius of Potsy, the beauty of the think of the, again the risk that he took, right. overhauling a team that had won ten straight games and had seven straight shutouts, he t- overhauls this team and the in the guts that it takes to do that, and it come in because he he knows like at the end of the season I've got to have my starters fresh, yeah. and here they are entering against Green Bay, so that's what nobody noticed. We didn't talk about this up until now. Is that is the idea that they might have only had four games left. They bet at the you know, last place, but they were going into those games with the best players they had in tip-top shape, sure. which was Potsy's plan from the very beginning. That's so what I'm Potsy saying. The genius of Potsy Clark. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So, like, as long as they were within a shouting distance, he knew that they had to get past the Packers and Bears. He yeah. knew it, and he knew that he was not going to be able to do it unless his starters were in prime shape. Right. And so he just had to win enough to keep it close. To get to the end of that season and let have Dutch and Presnell and all of his starters in per you know in great working order and uh, and that's where you know like I say the genius of Potsy really is shines is, is that last stretch and it's one of the greatest series of games in Detroit Lions history you know what I mean you see what I'm saying I, uh-huh. I like I'm hoping that I convey this um, just how incredible that this 1935 Lions team and the you know the you know Potsy Clark's role in this. Um, I'm really, the, you know, that was really the goal of this, uh, really this four-part Potsy Clark yeah. uh, series. So um, I could keep going on a little bit, um, a little, just a little bit. Uh, so, and I don't want to go too far into it. Um, well, I, I got to, I want to set up a little. Bit, um, no, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. I don't want to get too far because because well, it, it starts. We start talking about the Lions um, uh, NFL championship, and I don't really. Uh, I, we'll leave that. Well, I'll right. leave this let's, to the introduction uh, of the Red Wings. Because I don't sure want to get the audio. Let's see if the audio is going to work on this. We might wrap it up here. Yeah, with, that's right. Uh, we want to show Potsy a little the bit about Potsy. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so the please, first forty seconds. Thanks of the video. for joining us on this journey. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment wherever wherever you're uh, yeah. watching. DetroitCityOfChampions.com. And uh, let's let's look at. Uh, yeah, there, I don't think there is any audio for this. But the main thing I want to show is it, for the viewer that's watching this um, is just it. I love this video because this is like a sort of you know uh, homage to Potsy because it shows Potsy in a leather jacket. This is like the coolest um, Potsy Clark video. All right. Is it Sharon? Yeah, it's up there. So it's a silent piece. It is, yeah. I don't think there's any audio to it, but it, this is a great video. And this is this is actually from back when they were the uh, it, back when it was Portsmouth. They were the Portsmouth team. Oh, there he is. Yep, so I, yeah, so, um, yeah, this, yeah, there he is right there, bottom left corner. But when he's on his knee, I don't know if you yeah. want to, you, you can see it in the first. Oh. So right there, there he is right there. <laughs> That's Potsy right there as a yeah. coach with a leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. But, sorry, yeah, throw one more time in there. I was, like, kind of talking, interfering with it. It's kind no, of, it's, it's awesome, there you go. Man. Yeah, there it's, you go. It's, it's Good looking, yeah. So he's, he's kind of reviewing yep. the game with the Bears. Right? Exactly, they're going over it. Yep. Yeah. I believe this is the game. I believe this is the game that was posted by uh, uh, Sean Dunn, who's a city councilman at Portsmouth, who I got to know. Okay. Don Portsmouth. He he went through a great personal expense to. I believe this is the one that he, there's two videos he put out. They found it in some old film canisters, some old That's nitrite. Some really clear footage. I believe this is the footage. There's that you know there's there are two videos that he put up. I mean I'm not, for I think 1930 this one, whatever this is. Yeah. This is really. Yeah, clear yeah, it's a great um, in yeah. With the, what's compared the, to you know, you're the thing you were shooting. Yeah, if you all scratched up, yeah, that, drag it behind your car for how long? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, no. all film doesn't doesn't it didn't. Yeah, in this video, I believe if you go on for anybody that's listening to this or, or seen it, this if you type into a, a YouTube search for 1931 Portsmouth Spartans, you'll see a few different videos. This is one of them. Um, yeah. This is the Spartans at Wrigley Field against the against the Bears. I believe it. I think it said 1931 at the, yeah. in the header. Yeah. But it's a great video. The, the thing I love about it especially is the very is that intro where you see Potsy like wearing this leather jacket, and it's a really clear shot of him. Yeah. Um. And because uh, he actually, from what I read, he didn't. He wasn't particularly fond of uh, getting his photo taken or <laughs> any videos. Uh, yeah. So so it was kind of rare to see him. Right. And that's why this video is so, so cool. Oh man, that's awesome. But I mentioned Sean Dunn. He'd like to say he. Uh, um. You know, great. He, you know, this great personal. You know, he he went through, uh, uh, you know, personal expense to get these videos put up. There was like some. I think it was called like a nitrite film, mm. where it was like explosive. Like, yeah. Like if you like drag your feet on the ground with like kinetic electricity, like you're gonna explode the film. Like it's that <laughs> flammable. It's so flammable. Like a lot of people won't even touch it. Yeah. And he was able to find somebody that was like would work in it, and yeah. then brought that out so it's on YouTube and people can see it. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this yeah. week. Uh, Detroit City of Champions. We'll be back with more of the story next time. And thanks for being here.